Welcome to the Virginia Economic Review podcast. This is Jason L. Kuby, Executive Vice President of the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. Today, I'm speaking with Major General Ted Mercer, the new CEO and Executive Director of Virginia Space, the owner and operator of the Mid-Atlantic Regional Spaceport, or MARS, co-located at the NASA Wallops Flight Facility on Virginia's eastern shore. General Mercer, it's great to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Being new to Virginia Space, having just started in August, can you share with us your early impressions and view of Virginia Space and Mars and tell us a little bit about what drew you to the position? Absolutely. But to answer this question, I need to take you back a little bit. I've been around the uh, the space, the rocket, the launch business for a lot of years. And I started out in our nation's Air Force in the intercontinental ballistic missile business. I sat in underground silos ready to launch our nuclear assets should the president decide to do that. Mm. And during that time, there is a program called the Follow-On Test and Evaluation Program, or FOT&E. And during that program, to test the reliability of intercontinental ballistic missiles, or ICBMs, that have been sitting in underground silos for years, the program would randomly select a missile by serial number to have it removed from its operational silo, taken out to Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, reinserted into a like silo at Vandenberg, and then launched some 4,200 nautical miles downrange to the Kwajalein Atoll. I was selected to be a task force commander when I was a young squadron commander, lieutenant colonel, to take on one of these operations. So I had to pull together an operations team. I had to pull together a maintenance team and a logistics team, compass some 50 to 60 people. And we went out to Vandenberg for 45 days to prepare this missile to launch. Obviously, you take the reentry vehicle off of the top. You install linear shape charges and launch this missile downrange. I take you back to that point because that was when I was bit by the launch bug. I fell in love with space lift when we launched that missile downrange. I am extremely pleased to join the Virginia Space team and take on the responsibility for Virginia Space and the Mid-Atlantic Regional Spaceport, or MARS. There aren't many places in the United States where you can actually launch rockets to orbit. And in all of my years of service in our Air Force, following that in industry, being a part of rocket launch is just extremely, extremely special. And to be able to do that safely is a great responsibility and extremely, extremely rewarding. Mars has world-class facilities, an extremely strong workforce that makes Mars a leader in low-Earth orbit launches. The Space Force, in my view, was already well-positioned for future development. And my experience, what I am bringing to bear, my charter, is to grow that experience and increase our operations tempo or the launches out of Mars. How could you not be drawn to a position like this with the background I just gave you? I love it. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you as a partner in Virginia's economic development and certainly understand not only the exciting things that are at Virginia Space and Mars today, but also excited about the potential of what's to come. Thinking back on your career in the Air Force and your leadership there, how does that affect the way you approach this new position? Well, one of the things that you learn in the United States military is that the most important asset you have are your people. 
because you can't get the mission done. You can't get the job done without your people. Prior to my joining Virginia Space, my career encompassed decades of experience in the aerospace and executive leadership in the military, the private sector, and then following on back in government after I left the private sector. I have had an experience, you heard me talk about the little task force experience, but following that, uh, I was a commander of Vandenberg Air Force Base, what was then the 30th Space Wing, where what did we do? We launched rockets. That was the West Coast launch port for the nation. I commanded what was then the 45th Logistics Group at Florida at Cape Canaveral. In that job, I ran the operational launch range for everything that launched out of the Cape to include shuttle operations. That meant I was in charge of all the optics, the telemetry, the radar, the command disrupt systems, all the way down the coast of Florida to the island of Antigua, all the way to the island of Ascension off the west coast of Florida. I've been involved in developing national security policy. I've been involved directly in operations almost my entire career. I was involved in industry in actually building the exquisite satellites for our intelligence community that were launched into orbit on behalf of this nation. Well, you bring some amazing experiences and relationships to this role in Virginia. I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about the space assets in Virginia. Not everybody who's listening may be familiar with those. So can you just give us a quick overview of the Virginia facilities and capabilities? It's one of the things that impresses Every person that comes to Mars to tour our facilities, every person that comes leaves with their eyes wide open, like to the size of half dollars, where they are saying to themselves, wow, we did not know that Virginia, the Commonwealth, had this kind of capability. And so let me walk through some of that capability. We have basically three launch pads. Launch pad A is designed to handle liquid fuel rockets. The Northrop Grumman commercial Antares rocket with the payload to resupply the International Space Station launches out of pad A. Pad B is a solid rocket pad for launching solid rockets like the Minotaur 1, the Minotaur 4, and the Minotaur 5. We launch many Department of Defense and National Security missions as well as other federal government satellites off of pad B. We also launched the first lunar mission off of Pad B, what was called the LADI mission, the Lunar Atmospheric Dust Environmental Explorer. Pad Zero C is a venture class launch pad. We built this launch pad from ground baking to full operational status in 11 months. Pad Zero C will be used to launch the Rocket Lab Electron rocket from the United States. We also have a UAS airfield, unmanned aircraft system or drones. Here we do unmanned aircraft system testing our UAS field consists of a 3,000-foot by 75-foot runway. We have a vertical takeoff and landing pad, and we have a 90-foot by 50-foot hangar with all the required support infrastructure for when customers bring their UASs or their drones to our test pad. We have a Mars Command building. This is a secure office building. We have a secure operational facilities inside this building for our confidential kind of work, also located at, up at Wallops. We have a Space Force Control Center. We have large meeting rooms, and we have segregated, dedicated 
customer space inside that Mars Command building. We have a Mars payload processing facility designed to accommodate and attract both classified and unclassified security missions. We have had, and it's designed to house, classified and unclassified payloads simultaneously, but yet segregated for security and clearance requirements. It's a state-of-the-art facility capable of processing multiple payloads at the same time. We have an integrated and controlled flight facility. It's owned by Virginia Space, but we lease the building to Rocket Lab for them to do their integration space for their multiple electron launch vehicles, mission control room, office and customer space, and it's located only nine miles from their launch pad. We are one of only four launch spaceports in the United States that are licensed by the FAA for vertical launch to orbit. And one of the interesting things to note is that unlike horizontal launch, vertical launch provides the ability to get large payloads to space on a single rocket. For example, most horizontal space lift operations can put up anywhere from 1,000 to about 1,100-pound payload its maximum. That's about the heaviest they can get up. For us, we routinely, out of Mars, launch payloads in excess of 18,000 pounds. So a big difference between vertical and horizontal lift. We are one of only four spaceports in this country that can do vertical lift into orbit. Well, you know, having been out to the facilities a few times, General, I mean, it's incredible, but just listening to you enumerate the amazing facilities, the, the capabilities, it's impressive every time I hear it. We interviewed your predecessor, Dale Nash, about a year and a half ago for our publication. At that time, Mr. Nash said that about half of the launches at the Mid-Atlantic Regional Spaceport, or Mars, were commercial launches. Can you talk about the operations today? Is it roughly the same mix, or is it changing? That's not a cut-and-dry answer. The lines are blurring between commercial and government launches more than they ever have before. Let me start, though, by giving you the FAA definition. The FAA says a commercial launch is a launch that is internationally competed or whose primary payload is commercial in nature. Now, that's how they define it. The reason I say that it's not cut and dry is because we launch many payloads into orbit that may be on a commercial rocket, but the payload is a government payload or that the payload was actually built by a commercial company, which is what I used to do Uh, when I was with Excellus Corporation. We used to build the satellites for the government. So in that scenario, is that a government payload or is that a commercial satellite, Mm -hmm. commercial launch? According to the definition that I just laid out to you from the FAA, about 67% of our launches last year would be classified by that definition as commercial, while about 33% would be classified as government by that definition. Interesting. I would point out that all the rockets that were launched from Mars this past year were commercial launch vehicles supporting government and DOD customers. So, for example, the Northrop Grumman Antares rocket that resupplies the International Space Station is a NASA payload, but the rocket is a Northrop Grumman commercial rocket. So that's another example of what I defined. It's just not as cut and dry as some try to make it seem. 
Well, in that context, let's talk about your priorities for Mars. How important is commercial space business to the long-term vision and operations of the spaceport? Both the commercial and our government customers and payloads are very important to us, and for different reasons. There are a great number of new rocket-producing companies in the business today. At last count, when I look at how many new startup rocket companies, there are like 88 the last time I looked, and that number is increasing. What my objective is in the spaceport is to begin to leverage the existing and the future plan assets to increase our ops tempo, whether it's commercial rockets coming to put up government payloads or commercial rockets coming to put up commercial payloads. We want to increase that operations tempo and continue to build the company's already outstanding reputation, brand, and our competitiveness. We see an explosion in commercial activity, and you see it already when you look at the kinds of constellations that SpaceX is putting up for their Starlink system. That you can multiply times 10 across the industry. The other thing to keep in mind is that the commercial space business is an economic engine for Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, this region. The WAVS flight facility, along with its aerospace, climate, national security cluster, has a significant economic impact to this region. When we did our last economic impact study, which was in about 2018, the estimated economic impact for this region from the aerospace cluster was $1.37 billion. The installations and the organizations that make up that cluster are the NASA Wallops Flight Facility, the United States Navy, NOAA, United States Coast Guard, Virginia Space, Northrop Grumman, and Rocket Lab. And after doing a quick survey of these organizations, it's estimated that they support nearly 1,900 direct jobs and $145 million in salary and fringe benefits. Most of that is occurring in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You're making investments right now that are drawing attention from some of those potential clients, things like the new payload processing facilities. What kind of interest are you seeing from commercial space potential clients as you build on these incredible capabilities? Customers can come to Mars and don't have to worry about identifying, building, or constructing facilities for their payload processing. All they have to do is come up, bring their payload, bring their payload team, and the facilities are fully there and operational for them. That's a huge value proposition for customers that come to the region. That combined with the Mars reputation and the investments that the Commonwealth has made in our infrastructure is what's positioning us as the premier location for the venture class launch business. Those are the folks that are interested in coming and aggressively pursuing launch opportunities out of Mars. And you heard me talk before about the 88 rocket companies. Those are all venture class companies that are looking to build and come to Wallace. We recently had, I won't mention the name of the company, but we recently were reached out to by another venture class company out of Singapore that wants to come and launch out of Wallace. On the 1st of March of this year, Rocket Lab publicly announced they're developing a new rocket called the Neutron. It's an eight-ton payload class rocket that can put up mega constellations on a single rocket, and Rocket Lab has formally announced that they want to launch that from Mars and only from Mars. That's just kind of to put a finer point on it.
I wanted to zoom out and talk a little bit about the broader focus of this issue of Virginia Economic Review. It's all about industries of the future. What are some of the advances in aerospace and aviation that you find most interesting? I am interested in focusing on the areas surrounding the UAS, the drone capability, and how that might factor into the industry and how it might factor into our ability to support that industry through our UAS runway. That's the advances in aerospace that I'm most focused on, is the UAS, new rocket and propulsion technologies, new rocket classes, new satellites and satellite systems. Can you tell us just about the the capabilities and vision related to unmanned systems on the Eastern Shore? You just touched on that, but I wonder if you could go a little bit deeper. As you well know, Virginia's business climate was rated number one for the UAS by Business Facilities Magazine, I think for the last two years running. Our Morris Airfield contributes to this rating due to its unique combination of our assets and our geography. We are located in a place, for example, where if the Department of Defense would want to actually test counter UAS systems that are non-kinetic, they got to find a place to do that. You would not want non-kinetic UAS systems getting tested out at an airport, for example. The danger of interference and other complications is too great. We are an ideal location to go and do that kind of multi-domain training and testing. Our airfield is a great place to do intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance testing land, air, and sea training. You can do precision targeting support, UAS and counter UAS super swarm system. There's no place else that you can do that kind of thing today. You heard me talk about non-kinetic counter, uh, detection and tracking capabilities or surface combat radar type systems, testing of newly developing delivery concepts, like the stuff that Amazon or that Walmart wants to do, where they want to test capability to deliver packages in residential or in downtown areas. They got to have a place to test those concepts, prove them out, and certify them. Our runway is a marvelous place to do that. And I think it's beginning to catch on more and more because our operations tempo at our airfield increases year after year after year. General, before we wrap up, you've had a fascinating career. You've been involved in some of the most cutting-edge and innovative activities related to space and flight in the United States and around the world. I'm just interested in what you're reading about outside of work. Is space a big part of that? I still have an affinity for what's happening on the DOD side. You know, I read anything I can get my hands on in terms of industry trends through various periodicals, trade magazines, websites, any other information pertinent having to do with space lift or unmanned systems, the periodicals and the information that comes out of the space symposium, anything I can get my hands on that is relevant and fresh. I do read some of the books having to do with historical space stuff, but books just can't be as responsive to what's happening around you as the periodicals and trade magazines. We both have the tremendous benefit of working and living in a beautiful commonwealth. What's your favorite place to visit in Virginia? We fell in love with Virginia back in the mid-80s when I was assigned at the Pentagon. The great thing about Virginia is that there's something for everybody to enjoy when you come to the Commonwealth, whether you like beaches, whether you like mountains, and everything in between. You can even do some skiing in Virginia. This time of year, you really can't beat places like the Shandoah National Park or Skyline Drive for the views and the turning of the leaves and that kind of thing. I just love Virginia writ large. I like 
the metropolitan areas. I love the cities. I love the downtown areas. But the parks and watching nature take its course is also just beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. It is an honor to serve the Commonwealth in this role and in this capacity. And it was an honor and a privilege to talk with you today. This podcast has been brought to you by the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. Thanks for listening.